Okay, welcome everybody uh, to the sundown. It is Thursday, April 30th. Is it the 30th today? Last day of April. Yep. Yep. Last day of April. Okay. Uh, so thanks for uh, joining us. I hope everyone's doing well, health, safety, all that good stuff. Uh, start off today with a couple of announcements. So tomorrow, today's the last day of April. So tomorrow is May 1st, and May 1st is the official end of the fifth marking period. Um, so, uh, you know, if anybody has anything pending or you need to reach out to any teachers, make sure you do that today or tomorrow, but probably better to do it today at the very least. Yes. Yes, sir. How you doing over there, Ishii? I'm good. Good. How are you? Yeah. I probably I'm skipped right. over the intro part. Yeah. I mean, we should check in, you know, I, I, <laughs> It's been uh, it's been a few days since the original first podcast. Uh, yeah. Some notes, you know, that my wife gave me. She said, "You say you know way too much." So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. So uh, I'll try not to say you know, uh, just like yeah. the kids say, right? You know. So, so your wife's a viewer, huh? Uh, I, I let her check it out, and you know, she was more worried about. If I was either making fun of her or her <laughs> up, which I said, no, I didn't. So uh, she was happy about that. I said, I did talk about the kids for a little bit. She said, oh, that's that's fine. But she said, stop saying, you know, so we'll try and limit that to probably maybe five or six today. Hopefully we don't get into the 30s and 40s like we did, I think, on the first one. How is your wife coping with the uh, the whole lockdown? Because she worked from home a lot prior to this. She did work from home a lot, and when the kids weren't home, it was nice. She has a nice little setup uh, with a few with two monitors, and everything was great when she worked from home. But now the kids are here, um, so hanging on her when she's trying to do work is not the easiest situation. She's also eight months pregnant right now, so uh, yes. So that doesn't that doesn't help to the stress level. So. Uh, but overall, she's doing she's doing good. She's she's doing okay right now. So, well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, are you guys like, are you planning a lot more for a trip to the hospital than you would have in the past? Um, no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> I would say we were we were a lot more prepared with the first when I had the twins. You know, I guess because we were new parents. Now I feel like. We're kind of like, yeah, you know, we just have another kid coming. No big deal. <laughs> but uh, there is a little more logistical. There'll be a, more of a logistical effort this time, you know, because you know how it is. If you got to go to the hospital, then, you know, the kids can't obviously come with us. So we'd have to have a family member come watch the kids, which then breaks kind of like our quarantine situation. So, you know, that is one of the things that we have talked about. We're hoping by the time that happens that the quarantine uh, guidelines have relaxed a little bit. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we still have some time. But, uh, you know, we just don't try and think about it. Then it's not really happening, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just hide in your quarantined home and, you know, who knows what's going on out there. Yes. Uh, one other note for grading is 
if you've seen the news, they're not giving failing grades, but you, not everybody's getting a passing grade. So if you do owe work um, or you have not fulfilled your obligations in class or you've had issues, uh, your teacher can give you an NX, which is basically an incomplete. Um, each teacher is handling that differently. So if you get an NX, um, it, it basically means that the teacher would like to see a little more work uh, from you. And uh, you could talk to your teacher about that. Yeah. And that'll be for the fifth marking period, which is different than the sixth marking period, which is the one that counts on your transcript. And for those of you watching this, your diploma. Yes. But I would try and stay away from getting NXs. Or at least if you do get an NX, I would definitely talk to your teacher so that you're on the same page with them to find out why and what you can do to kind of remedy, remedy the situation. So there's our uh, public service announcement. That's good advice. <laughs> so we're going to do some listener questions? Uh, sure. Yeah, I had a question from David regarding the, um, the women's soccer. He wanted to know if there's any way for females to get the same amount of pay as men do when it comes to soccer. So we did touch on that a little bit. That is kind of what the women are fighting for. I do think some of the USA women are making probably more than the men when it comes to um, advertisements and um, probably like different kinds of events. Um, I know like Alex Morgan is all over the place. If you've seen her, she has a lot of products that she endorses. So I'm sure she's making probably a lot more money than most of the American men are. Uh, but overall, that's that's kind of like what they're fighting for. That is the that was the article and and kind of breaking it down for you. But thanks for the question. If anybody else has questions, uh, feel free to throw them in the discussion for this link uh, when we post it, or you can send us a Schoology message if you don't want other students to see your question. Uh, Ishi, you have anything over there? Well, yeah, I actually had a couple of questions from a couple of daisies and uh, I believe Alan uh, wanting to kind of know our thoughts on the uh, government uh, response to uh, COVID-19. So I think that's a great transition for us to get into what I think we plan on making a regular segment for this particular podcast called What Did He Say? <laughs> that's good. Uh, last week uh, or our last episode, we talked about... Uh, the president and his uh, insinuation of uh, injecting yourself with cleaning cleaning fluids. Um, so today we, I was talking to you about what did he say or what did he do, uh, and I think we're going to reference the vice president uh, Mike Pence for his visit to the Mayo Clinic, which if people don't know, the Mayo Clinic is kind of like. Uh, a hospital or a medical facility that's also does a lot of research for um, diseases and lesser lesser known uh, illnesses. So Mike Pence was there uh, taking a tour, and the guidelines for the hospital uh, state that everybody visiting right now needs to wear a mask, which not not that hard to follow. Especially, it's understandable you're in a hospital. You're also with you know visiting a very vulnerable population. Um, so everybody was wearing a mask except for the vice president, uh, who decided he didn't need to wear a mask. And when asked about it, uh, he basically said that he gets tested for COVID all the time. And 
nobody has anything to worry about. So thanks. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> thanks, Mr. Vice President. Uh, Great leadership. Nice, yeah, nice, nice job. Leading by example, um, which, you know, a lot of people were upset, kind of saying that the hospital administrators shouldn't have even allowed him to walk around the hospital like that. And look, they're in a tough spot, too, because you have the vice president of the United States coming into your facility. You know, I mean, and look, I I would imagine that if you're one of the top doctors or the top administrators for the Mayo Clinic, you're not exactly a wallflower. But it's still hard to, to speak to someone in that position of power to be like, listen, you're not coming into my facility. You know, the guy's second in command in the United States. It's hard to say, like, you can't come into my building until you're wearing a mask. Right. It's just it's just not a good look. Yeah. You know, not a good look. I mean, it's not like he was touring um, like a factory, you know, right. with like healthy people. There's like people that are dealing with all types of illnesses. Um, and at the very least, it's like, you know, it's the norm right now that you're trying to get everybody to do, you know, put a mask on. What are you doing, guy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just to speak a little more broadly, you know, and and this is something maybe you'd follow up with some of your history teachers with or something, you know, some of you in certain swell classes. But, you know, generally, I think it's important to remember what the difference is, because you see a lot of people on TV right now. You'll see the mayor de Blasio talking, Governor Cuomo, and then, of course, the president, the vice president going on TV and uh, talking about this stuff. The purpose of the federal government by and large is to take care of larger scale problems that affect the entire nation as opposed to just one city state or even region of the country so the best example of that is the difference between a police force and the military so you have a police force to take care of local crime you know theft things of that nature that don't necessarily need the attention of the national or the federal government, whereas the military is to address matters of war. So, you know, in September 11th, when the Twin Towers get knocked down in a terrorist attack, you need the federal government to create an anti-terrorist task force and eventually what became the Department of Homeland Security and not just have the NYPD try and get to the bottom of what happened there because you don't have the access like the CIA, the FBI, this network of intelligence agencies. Like that's a much larger scale problem that you need a federal government to deal with, which is frankly what we need them to be doing now with COVID-19 because yes, it's worst in New York City right now, but it is a national problem and it's going to keep spreading if it's you know not addressed quicker or we need tests made you know again the power of the federal government to um kind of mass produce things like tests and so forth they have much greater capability than just new york or a region of states like new york new jersey and connecticut so what kind of job are they doing in terms of coordinating things nationwide I don't think it's a stretch to suggest that the president is mostly trying to figure out how to avoid blame if things go wrong. And the easiest way for him to do that, I'm sure he's calculated, is to uh, pass as much responsibility as he can to governors of the states so that the states have to issue it so that if things turn bad when he's running for re-election in November, and by the way, all you kids are going to be voters by then, or most of you if you're seniors, um, you know, he can say, well, that went bad in New York, but it's not my fault. I left it up to Cuomo. Is that probably about right? Or do you have other thoughts on that? 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, this was, this discussion was sparked between you and I because you had what students that had some questions about this. Yeah. This, so, um, yeah, I agree. I think the, the, you know, the blame game is, 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 is real. Um, and you know, at first, you know, we wanted, you know, not we, but the president wanted to blame China, you know, um, which I'm sure there is some blame. There definitely is probably some blame to go yep. around. Um, then you wanted to blame the WHO, the World Health Organization. Um, then the president said he has authority over all the states and it's up to him to do everything, make all the decisions. Uh, well, that's not really true. And then the governors all came out all together as a unified front and said, no, that's not true. We're going to reopen when we feel is safe. But uh, you are right. The the states, what 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 they need the federal government to do, and Cuomo, if you've watched his press conferences, the states are all trying to um, grab the same kind of resources, testing materials, uh, the the tests themselves, uh, the the labs in these states are all trying to get the same raw materials that they need to get testing off the ground. Now, if each state is all trying to get the same materials, that's that's not very organized, right? So the federal government can step in and help organize and get the materials to where they're needed the most, which you would think would be, you know, wherever there would be a high high need for testing. For example, New York, California, Washington, Michigan, uh, the cities, states that have been hit the hardest um, by the president saying. The federal government's not getting involved with this. Um, it kind of leaves the states all fighting amongst each other, um, which which is not what we want to see. Governor Cuomo went to Washington, D.C. to meet with the president. Uh, it seems after their face-to-face meeting uh, that 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 has helped. Um, and they've, they've been playing nice with each other since that meeting. So we'll see how long that lasts. Um, but, you know. We'll, we'll yeah. see. That's all I'll say. And I think the other thing that's important to explain maybe is, you know, the reason it's also helpful for the federal government is that when you do have states competing for resources. So now it's tests. It was ventilators. But so with the ventilators, right, if you're a company that that makes ventilators and New York needs, say, 10,000 of them, but then you know, maybe Pennsylvania is thinking to themselves, well, you know, New York's close to us. It's only a matter of time before that outbreak spreads to here. We better get ahead of it. We better buy some ventilators. And now you have New York trying to buy a bunch of ventilators and you have Pennsylvania trying to buy a bunch of ventilators. What the company that's selling them is going to do is they're going to keep raising the prices on them because there's high demand for it. So now when they keep raising the prices, New York and Pennsylvania keep upping their offers for how much they're going to pay for each ventilator. And you're going to end up bankrupting states in the middle of a pandemic the way the federal government helps is to say you don't have bidders. You don't have multiple states trying to buy from you. Only one person, only one entity is trying to buy ventilators from you, and that's us, the federal government. So this is the price. This is what we're going to pay you. No one else can offer you more. And that's how you kind of keep costs down so you don't end up bankrupting all these places who are just trying to keep people from dying. You just don't, I don't think, you know... Obviously, not all these things that they produce these ventilators, these companies aren't necessarily charities, but you don't want people 
profiting wildly off of death. Right, but at the same time, who do you think owns stock in some of these companies? Some of these pharmaceutical companies, these medical device companies. Well, lots of people. I mean, millions of people. Right, but as far as the decision makers, don't oh, you think Trump for sure? Poli- no, but not just Trump. But I'm sure there's politicians who, you know, yeah. are benefiting from, you know, what's going on here. And I'm not oh, saying yeah. this is not a this is not and, a Republican or a Democrat correct yeah. like thing. Um, there are politicians on both sides that are definitely benefiting from from these things, especially the information now. I don't know if you paid attention yesterday in the stock market, but this new drug, um, Remdesphere, it's called. Yeah. You know, the initial uh, findings is that it's it's basically uh, a really good treatment for for COVID. So the stock market jumped up. Now, if, if you don't think that there's people on the inside who already knew this information and bought a ton of stock, then, you know, I have a bridge to sell you. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like you said, how, both sides, I'm sure. Right. And this is how the rich stay rich and the powerful, you know, have the inside tip. Just this is just like a small, small sample. But we did. We have talked a lot about the government here. I think it's time to move on to our next segment, which yeah. is. I think we're going to call what are the kids doing these days? And um, we did talk a little bit about our kids, um, but I would like to get into uh, the second most downloaded app since the quarantine started. Uh, The first one, do you know which the first app is? The the number one most downloaded app since the quarantine started? Number one most downloaded app. I don't know, like Caviar or Seamless Web or Postmates or something like that. Oh, boy. No. Zoom. Zoom is the number one. Oh, of course. Since since the quarantine started, Zoom was leading the way. Uh, number two, though, was TikTok. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and and being in the cafeteria, I mean, you're in the cafeteria, the gym, you could always look around and you could see somebody is just dancing by themselves, doing some kind <laughs> of like choreographed dance, and you're going, "What are you doing?" And now, you know, we all, we all knew by like the second, third month of the school year, basically they were doing a TikTok. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I'm sure you've been asked to, to be in TikToks, like in school. Can, can yeah. you just be in my TikTok? You know, and I'm sure we are, <laughs> whether we know it or not. I'm sure many teachers are, whether they, oh, yeah. whether they realize it or not. But I did, I did download it because, you know, everybody's doing it. So, you know, I got to do it. But, um, it is it is pretty cool. I mean, it's basically like memes, but with music and you know, some some dancing. I'm not big into the, the dancing one because, you know, whatever. It's I, I like the the funny the comedy stuff is I think hilarious. And I've been following like teachers of TikTok, and there's a lot of funny stuff out there about like, you know, online learning and you know. I don't know. It's. I think it's just. Re- I think it's just really funny. A lot of creative people out there. That's good. And my That's kids good. love it now. So. Um, what like? What's the breakdown in terms of how many TikToks are of you versus your kids on your account? <clears throat> well, right now I have I think five TikToks and two of my kids and three is me. I also have like you can make like a draft and then not post it. So I have I have a few drafts of the kids. They. They think it's funny. You know, I, I try not to let them watch too much of the TikToks because 
there's a lot of, you know, inappropriate language that's being used. They can't really read yet, so they can't see some of the, you know, they can't read the, what, what people say, but um, as far as some of the language there, you know, I, I try to stay away from that, but they love some of like the, the silly, like silly songs, like the, there's one about like being bored at home and they just walk around the house now saying like, I'm bored in the house and I'm bored in the house. Like, it's just, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I don't know if like when things go back to normal, if people are still going to be, you know, like people like ourselves in our, in our thirties are still going to be like TikToking like crazy. But, um, the app definitely has gained like a, a ton of momentum. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's my TikTok thing right now. Are you worried, and not to get back into politics, but are you worried about TikTok being like a Chinese-run company and a lot of the Chinese companies, like China's not necessarily private, so it's like government-related? Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's worth the risk. I don't know. I, although, <laughs> I, before all this started, I was watching an interview with somebody where they were discussing, and look, this has to be fact-checked, but... They were saying, because they were discussing China and TikTok, that government officials uh, were told to refrain from using TikTok. So that might tell that might tell you something. So I would probably be careful about you know what you what you do on there or what you say, but or maybe uh, even like the permissions, like 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 location or whatever. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like you sign on, and then all of a sudden they're asking for your contact information, you know, your your all your contacts. You know, that's how they get a lot of information, and that's just you know, that's any any website. I mean, Facebook does it, Google. Yeah. You know, they they accumulate so much data, and then you know, I, I feel like they use it. You know, they use it for marketing purposes. Um, but I think like the U.S. government, they're worried that you know. They know, like you said, they know your location. They know what you look like, what your family members look like. They know what the inside of your house looks like. They could probably pattern like where you go. Um, so it, it, I mean, and that's just not TikTok. That's all, you know, yeah, Snapchat. Well, I, you know, it's any, it's any kind of like app. Uh, I would just be careful about. So. I remember last summer, like the big thing was that app where you take a selfie of your face and then they like age you and like so right. that, like what you oh. look like when you're 80. Oh, that was the Russian, right? They said yeah, was that the- was like a Russian app. So I did it. And then this is also, too, not long after I got whatever kind of iPhone I have now that it has the face ID. And so, like, obviously, facial recognition is becoming a big thing. And I download this app and, like, an idiot, take a picture of my own face, give it to the Russians. And then it's like, <laughs> oh, look how old I am. But then, <laughs> And then I was, like, heard about that and I deleted it. I don't know what difference it makes. I already have my face. So yeah, it's okay. too late. They're already yeah. in the database. The right, Kremlin, exactly. The Kremlin has you right now. <laughs> Putin will be knocking on my door any day now. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping like you know we're not uh, we're not high risk targets um, for like that kind of data accumulation. But yeah, but you know, um, but I will say, I was I was also reading. Speaking of like data, I was reading an article about um, NCA coaches when they recruit now. You know, social media is the first thing that they do when they when they get a, a name of a recruit, a high school kid. Um, and if the NCAA coaches are doing this, then just think your boss is going to do it. Um, any kind of hiring agency, 
you know, if you try to get some kind of city job, federal job in the future or any job, if if all it takes is a Google search, your name comes up and then you have some inappropriate stuff on your social media, that could be a big red flag. And that could be the difference between you getting a job and not getting a job. Yep. So I, I will say people should be careful about, you know, what they what they do. I know if you go for a city job, I believe it's the NYPD. Um, they bring you into an office when you get to a certain point of the interview process and they ask you to log into all your social media apps and then they just sit there and they go through it all. So, you know, you think it's private, but they're going to make you log in and then they're going to check out your social media stuff. Uh, and for the NYPD, they, they're looking for, you know, gang affiliation, drinking, drugs, all kinds of stuff like that. And you want to say no and say, no, it's private. Then they're going to say, okay, it's fine. You're not getting hired. So, um, you know, people just need to be careful. You know, you could be 16 putting something out there. And then in the next like 10, 12 years, when you go for an interview, just, just remember, you know, don't put something up there that you'd be embarrassed to speak about if you get called out, you know, um, and not just for a job. Just think about your future. Uh, if you're trying to get married, your, your in-laws Google, Google you and then something comes up and it's, <laughs> it's you, you know, saying something crazy. Um, so that's just another uh, public service announcement, I would say. Yeah, that's a good one. So speaking of the NCAA, let's move to our main topic today, which is, um, and we're going to post the link. We'll give you, and there might be one or two articles about this that we're going to post. But so basically this year is the first year that, that um, the NBA G League, which is sort of like basketball's minor leagues, they're having um, a, a pathway. They're calling it a pathway program which they offer specific elite prospects the opportunity to earn um, at least $125,000 a year or more uh, playing in the G League instead of going to play in college. Now, the the NBA is trying to spin this like we're not trying to compete with the NCAA. We're more trying to keep young kids from leaving and going to play in Europe instead of college or in Australia instead of college. If they're going to be doing that, like, uh, the ball family, the big baller brand of those balls. Like they're the ones who were leaving the country rather than playing in college. And in order to prevent that, the NCAA was like, well, if they're going to leave, if, I mean, the NBA was like, well, if they're going to leave the country, we may as well do it here. Um, but it, I mean, I think it may end up offending, um, I'm sorry, affecting the NCAA um, in terms of their ability to get talented recruits uh, to come in. Um, it's it's limited to uh, a few players. Um, you have to be invited. It can't just be anybody who does it. Um, and uh, the, you know some of the benefits they're saying is that uh, you're playing. It's a 52 game schedule. You play a lot less games in college, so that the jump to your rookie year in the NBA is much more wear and tear on your body or more sudden. Uh, the games are 48 minutes as opposed to college games, which are 40 minutes. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the basics of it. Uh, what do you what, think? What's, what's, what's the, what's the driving motivation for the NBA to do this? What do you, what do you think it is? The driving motivation for the NBA to do this is look, you look at any draft, right? We just had the NFL draft and any of these drafts are just crapshoots, right? Like. 
the Giants this year took a left tackle with the fourth pick overall. Five years ago, they took a left tackle with the ninth pick overall. So they got it wrong. And here they are five years later cleaning up the decision that they got wrong. I do think a lot of these teams just think that the the earlier they can get their hands on these kids and the better they can get their own evaluation on these kids, it's better for them rather than relying on college coaches who like widely vary in terms of the strategy they use or I mean it does come down to money certainly but it's the money you're investing in an 18 year old kid or a 19 or 20 year old kid you want as much information on that kid as you can possibly get and then there's no better way to get information than to have direct access to them rather than through you know their colleges or that protective bubble that they're in sort of in college issue issue follow the money like always follow the money i mean all this is is the nba is saying you know what instead of the top 10 prospects going to college and making those colleges a lot of money what we're going to do is we're going to take this kid we're going to put him in our nba g league because we'd like to develop him and you know help him with the maturation process um but we all know it's all about the money for example like zion williamson went to duke last year was the number one selling college jersey right so duke and the nca made all this money off zion williamson he didn't make any money off of it so now what the nba is saying you know what zion even though he'd be in our developmental league would still be selling a ton of jerseys He'd probably sell out arenas where the G League now, I don't think, does well as far as attendance goes. So now it's just like another revenue stream for them. You know, and they're going to say, you know, we're trying to develop the players and blah, 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 which, you know, they, they are. But all they are is all they're doing is protecting, like you said, protecting their investment so that when the player gets drafted the following year out of the G League, right, they already have the information. Like you said, um, they've already probably made money off off of this guy. Um, so I think it's a win-win for the players and the NBA, you know, because I, I guess now if you're not a college athlete and you're technically a professional athlete in the G League, you could make money off your own name. Is, yes. that, is that true? Yes. So somebody like Zion Williamson, instead of going to Duke last year, um, he would go to the G League and he'd probably make $40, 50000000 million in advertisements not yeah. even being in the NBA yet, right? So for him, it's 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 a win-win. Um, you know, for the colleges, uh, you know, they're going to lose out probably on now, like the top, and I don't know what the number is that the NBA is thinking about as far as inviting to the G League, but you're talking, you know, probably the top 10 to 15 freshmen now will not be playing college basketball. Is that right? Well, this year's top, the top three uh, seniors in the country are going to the G League instead of college. That's it. Only three. Well, so far it's the top three. They're like not everybody agrees to do it. Like Don Maker, who ended up getting drafted, I believe he's with the Celtics now, and he's in there. He's not even in the, in the NBA right now, but he was invited last year and he opted to go to college instead. So it's not like a hundred percent of kids do it. Right. Um. But I mean, and that's so far. And I think a lot of kids are in an uncertain space right now in terms of what, 
you know, next few months are going to look like and so forth. Um, because yeah, I, I think mean, when I... you're in the G League, you also participate in the summer league, NBA Summer League out in Vegas and all that kind of stuff. So there might be some reluctance to sign up for it if they feel like they're going to be out doing stuff this summer already if things aren't settled down. I don't know. Yeah, I guess we could ask some, uh, we'll ask the students in a discussion, we'll, we'll ask them some questions about this, about how they feel. What would they do if they were a top prospect and they had the option? Um, what would be another question that we that we could ask? Um, who benefits the most from, from this new rule? Yeah, well, this is also, a lot of people are saying this is just a stepping stone for the NCAA, so I mean for the NBA. So what, I don't know if, if, if most of our kids know, but uh there used to be it used to be that high school players could go directly to the nba draft and uh kevin garnett was really the pioneer of this in the 90s um right. there were a few guys before him and they're a big player like moses malone sean kemp did it but kevin garnett kind of got the ball rolling on this in the mid 90s and then the year after that kobe did it and you know eventually lebron did it but there were also a ton of kids who did it that things did not go so well for because, you know, now the NBA has a rookie contract where you're still making millions of dollars, but it's, there's like a a limit to how much you can make on the first three years of your NBA career where back then in the nineties, it was just like, like Kobe Bryant was 18. He was making $20 million, you know? So a lot like Kobe had the self-discipline to handle it. Kevin Garnett had the self-discipline to handle it, but there were, I mean, a laundry list of, players who went pro right away and then just could not handle that type of money and lifestyle at that age so then the nba instituted the one and done rule you have to play at least one year of basketball not a part of the nba before you can come in and that's why you started getting a lot of one and dones kids who who went to college just to play their freshman year and then they went to the nba i think the nba is taking like baby steps back to just getting rid of that because like you said you know What's even what's going to sell even more jerseys? Zion's G League jersey or just the eventual jersey he'll wear? You know, so that's what that's where they're going with it. Yeah, I mean, the fact that they did away with it anyway, where they did away with it, I, the one and done. I, I guess that was like the college's, you know, lobbying through the NBA. Yeah, um, it's also about money. They want the colleges yeah. want like at least one year of like the superstars. But when you look around at other professional sports. I mean, baseball, you got kids getting drafted at 16, right? And then they go into, like, the academies. Soccer, same thing. Kids at, like, 14, 15. Hockey has, like, juniors, which is the same thing. You know, all these other sports are allowed to basically take the kids from when they're teenagers and start grooming them to be professional athletes. Now – the, the role of college is, is what? To prepare you for your career for the most part, right? You know, there's other things. Yeah. So if, if, if the goal, if these, the goal is to prepare you for your career where you could get into a career to make money. That's, that's the idea. So if you're in high school and you're already at a level that you can play at in the NBA, does it make sense to, to go to college? Not really. You could already you could go and make your money, right? Um, I mean, you, they're making so much money that if they really, if you know, and, and the excuse you hear is, oh, they need college so that they, they could fall back on it. And I mean, if you make twenty five million dollars in your first four years as a, <laughs> as an NBA player, and then you've kind of fizzle out, 
you've made $25 million, which, you know, who's making $25 million in their first four years of employment in any job, right? So, I mean, I, I don't see the reason for these guys to go to college, especially if they're going to make money uh, at a rate that's, like, you know, ridiculous, which the NBA players do. It's, it's just so much money. Um, well, and when you make money off of your physical abilities, those diminish much quicker than your mental abilities. So if you're making money off your ability to jump a certain height, you can only do it for so long. So the more years you're making money doing that, the better off you're going to be. I heard recently when I was looking at this, I heard a story about uh, there was a college player. I know you know, obviously, but the kids may not know. A college player in the 80s named Ralph Sampson, who was huge. And after his freshman year, when and, and back in the 80s, you didn't have kids leave early that much. If they left early, they left after their junior year. And then other kids played all four years in college. And that even went on to the early 90s. But uh, Red Auerbach, who is a legendary Boston Celtic coach, wanted him to just leave college after his freshman year. And, you know, back then it wasn't done. So people were like, what are you talking about? And, he came, and Red Auerbach said, what is this kid going to be, a doctor? He's an NBA player. Get him in the what? NBA. And then, you know, his NBA career was cut short because of injuries. Whereas he had three years where he could have been, you know, earning millions of dollars. Right. My, you know, some of my friends who, who made the most money uh, out of my group were kids who, you know, weren't the best academically, but were good with their hands. Um, they went to college for a year or so. It didn't work out. And then they started in their profession, you know, whether it be an electrician or a plumber. Um, and guess what? They they're doing fine now. And they they you know, they they made pretty good money, you know, as like 21 year olds, 22 year olds. And that, you know, that was their career and, and it's fine. And they, you know, they, they, they do well. Um, you know, you know, as I know, uh, from doing construction, uh, in your house or renovations, people, you know, those kinds of jobs get paid very well. Yeah. yeah. So now we should also probably include the caveat that annually 12 would probably be the max number of kids that are even talented enough to go right to the NBA. Right. In America, I mean, I that's maybe that's just a guess of a number, but there's not many. This isn't for everyone, but if you are like a special enough where you're one out of six, one out of twelve, something like you're that talented, I mean, things are just a little different for you generally too. So, <laughs> right, if you're the top, if you're the top ten to twelve uh, most talented person, probably in any field, like you really need to go to like if you're the top. Ten, uh, top 10 uh, gymnasts in the country, right? Like, you know, you're going to go to the Olympics, right? I mean, right. that's a little different because the age, the age is like very young for, for gymnasts, but uh, yeah. even like, you know, if you're the best, um, you know, I don't know, pick an instrument. Like if, that, if you're the best one in the country yeah. and you want to go on tour and start becoming like a professional uh, musician, like, is anybody going to stop you? Right. Like why, you know, why, why are people trying to like hold down the NBA player? Yeah. That's you know? true. When in reality, if you're the top 10 in the country at anything, you know, nobody should be able to kind of prevent you from getting out there and making money. So yeah. we'll leave it. At, well, I guess we could leave it at that and we'll, we'll see what some of the students have to say. Yeah, I agree. So also, yeah, too, go ahead and say, what would you do? What would you want to do? Would you go to college or would you go to the G League? <laughs> <laughs> yeah and if people have questions keep them keep them coming in um 
and it could be about anything, uh, yeah. any, anything that you want to ask us, um, and we'll, and we'll answer them. So we'll tr- we're, tr- we're trying to get a, we're trying to get some special guests here to, yeah. to come for a little bit. So if you have any any requests of any anybody from school that you'd like to see on here for a little bit, uh, let us know. And we'll see if we can make that happen for you. Yeah, we'll give it. We'll do our best. All right, much longer today, but I, you know, some interesting discussions. When I may, when I post this, I'll put timestamps in there in cases maybe this topic doesn't interest you or something like that. But I think we gave you guys some really good information. Sounds good. I guess uh, we'll try and get the next one going on Monday, um, so that we'll have it posted by Tuesday. How's that, Ishi? Good. Yeah, sounds good. All right, All right. everybody, have a good weekend, and uh, talk to you soon. Later.